Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen with Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 5, NASDAQ Futures down 22. We were trying to make a bounce last night. I don't know, it's been a very crummy week, but we did not uh, carry through on that. Got oil up another 44 cents, 87.31. It's causing some of it. Do we have Mr. Kevin? Good morning. How are you? I am doing all right. What? Uh, a lot of stuff going on in the world here this morning. Just a quick read of the of the news. Uh, why does this? Uh, why does it? Why does this bother me here? The Ukraine rips Elon Musk for disrupting sneak attack on Russian fleet by cutting off his Starlink service. Is he? Is he? Is he like part of the war now or something? Well, let's yeah, let's let's look at the headline and then say always remember what the first casualty of war is. Well, the truth. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, the problem is so we, so I I don't know what that's about. I don't either. And, and and so you know my inclination is to say okay, fine, next. <laughs> yeah, I just uh. It, I mean, there's more important things to consider today. For instance, it's Patsy Cline's birthday. Yeah, well, it's uh, you know we'll do it. There'd be some good bumpers there. You know, we put our guy to work there. I, uh, I just the let's put it this way: some of the the connections between uh, some of these systems and these big companies and government and in the military, uh, they've had me nervous for a while as to who can cut who off and who can take sides. I don't know if I like that necessarily, Kevin. Do you? I mean, I just well, you you don't like that it's the private sector, but how how much of the how much capabilities the government have to cut people off to? Well, I, I, as bad as it is, we elected this guy. We didn't elect Musk. I, I understand. Although, if you consider that as one of the options, I don't know that it would be a great one, but it might be a better one. Um, I would say no. That just me. <laughs> Okay, it's a close call, though, isn't it? You had to think about that for a second, didn't you? Um, the idea that you can just drop a businessman in these spots—it's a different business. I don't know that that's—I don't, you know, I mean, I'm not. Well, that—that's the—that was the old conglomerate theory, uh, yeah. you know, that was so popular in the '80s that, that if you can manage one business, you can manage any uh, any business. And uh, how, how many conglomerates are still uh, still around? How many true conglomerates? Uh, in, other, in other words, they're—they're not—I'm not talking about. 
somebody like Procter and Gamble that owns a lot of businesses. That's all vertical market stuff. It's all interrelated. I am talking about uh, uh, pretty much, um, uh, you know, uh, Buffett's Buffett's group, and that's about the only one that comes to mind for me right now. Well, the other guys are just playing monopolies. They they stay in one business. Well, yeah, and that's what I mean. You know, the conglomerate uh, theory. Now, you may have some uh, venture capitalist firms that uh, um, you know that are out there, or 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 firms like uh, you know what Bain did, um, where they uh, you know they exist to uh, buy failing businesses and then they try to resurrect them. You may have some of those sitting around uh, in the world, but um, uh, and therefore their their businesses are you know they're they're not directly related but that's that's a uh, you know get it on its feet it's a financial play it's rework the balance sheet and then try and sell it for well, I would, I would say people like BlackRock who buy everything I mean they're buying, they're Black, buying BlackRock is an investor they're not a hands-on they don't manage them though mm. you're, you're thinking BlackRock versus Blackstone um, no, right. who, who are the guys that are like buying all the houses now it's BlackRock Blackstone Blackstone well one one's the Custodian and the others, the investor. Well, okay, but I'm saying, I, I don't know if those guys know how to do rents and stuff, but they, they they see whatever it is and they buy it, whether they run it or not. It, it's sort of a you know you're right. It, it is sort of different, Kevin. What the uh, yeah, and 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 uh, Buffett's stuff is a, is basically an investment portfolio. Right. He doesn't try and run it either. Um, they they leave management in place. They. Uh, um, and they run each one as a completely uh, separate operation. They, well, he buys don't, they, don't even, they don't even try to manage them together. No, he, he allegedly buys them because he likes the management. I mean, that's essentially the story, right? Yeah. Um, how dangerous is this headline? House-rich Americans are sitting on nearly $30 trillion in home equity. Here's how to tap it. Yeah, let's go borrow some money. That's yeah. going to work out well. Yeah, it's a... Uh, what... Uh, I sure as hell hope this is not predictive, but if if we don't have some time to grow out of this, what I consider this overvalued stuff we're in, it's just one man's opinion, we might have some time to grow out of it, and that would be the greatest thing. We just kind of flatten out for a while and grow into these P.E. ratios and people's salaries grow into these housing prices. But if something happens all of a sudden, Kevin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I've got housing prices 25 to 30% too high and the market 40% too high. Yeah, you're probably right. Essentially, you're, you're probably right about that, and 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 you're right. So, what what kind of an event would it take um, to to make it uh, more borrowing? Borrowing always borrowing always does it, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. It's the uh, well, it, it's collapse of a market that would do it. Well, but one causes causes the other. Yeah, Easily. understood. Um, matter of fact, I couldn't believe I, I had a I had a feeling. I mean, we're seeing the default rates up now. Yeah. You know how high would they have to go? Well, you know when when you start running out of options, uh, you know that's that's what's going on. So the question is, um, you know, what kind of options uh, do people have now that are uh, that are doing a lot of borrowing? Yeah. Hey, by the way, uh, just so the listeners know, next Wednesday when Kevin is on because he knows way more about it than me, we're going to have young Ryan Flynn on to talk about uh, Bitcoin, and everybody kind of knows my opinions on that, but that doesn't mean they're right. So we're going to have somebody I don't know who's more about it. And Ryan is a guy who d- d- differentiates between the Bitcoin itself and all the other what are the, the, the what do they call the things that 
the coins and stuff to come come after it. And he, yeah, he, and and um, Ryan can, he'll actually be helpful. Oh yeah, for me because I had um, I had a student ask. See, one of one of the things I do for um, for my classes is I have the students bring in the discussion topic. I say, what's in the material that you would like to discuss today? And we block off a big part of the class for what they want to discuss. And uh, one guy asked about Bitcoin last time, and I said, well, we really don't have a lot of time to get into it. I will pull together. He, he was interested in the smart contract aspect of it because smart because we were talking about contracts. And smart contracts are just events that are triggered as part of a blockchain. And uh, so I said I would I would prep some stuff for him so that he had you know so that I could show them all how this works and then how the smart contract fits in and where it, you know what its legal structure is. Um, so that part will be fun and interesting. But uh, you know I'll I'll pump Ryan for a little bit of information on Wednesday morning so that I can uh, incorporate it. Yeah, we I understand we have Mr. Murphy with us. Mike, how are you? Tom, good morning. Um, does this, does this include you? Asia's ultra-rich population records largest drop in the world. Here's how North America and Europe did. Apparently, a, a real lot of rich guys in Asia aren't rich anymore after COVID. Well, you know, it. it you keep saying that if you had a certain amount of money, you've lost 35% of your money, and that has happened to uh, our money, so... Uh, it, Europe recorded this. Now, you were in Europe for a while, so you might be in this group sneakily. Europe recorded the second worst regional performance. Regional performance, I like that. With a 7.1% fall to only 100,850 high net worth individuals. So, well, so 7,000 people are oot, oot. Well, boot. what does high risk. Well, uh, I'm, I'm digging from. I'm digging whatever a, it is. A net worth, of, net worth of over 30 million. Oh. Well, I'm not there yet, Tom. No, it's a so Asia's super rich population was at 12 trillion, and compared in Europe's is at 11 trillion. Uh, Asia's ultra wealthy population fell by 11 percent in one year. That's actually kind of a lot. The most of any region to only 108,307 individuals. How many of you think are high up in the Communist Party? I want to say quite a few. I would say most of them, right? Yeah, hey, hey, I I have another question for you. Ryan Flynn is he related to uh, our Flynns? He would be the son of John Flynn. Okay, thank you. We met him. Ryan, uh, the uh, he's come. We went down to the football games we, when he was in school. We drank with him. Oh yes, we drank with Ryan. That's the important part. He was the uh, <laughs> he was the guy. Talk about the weirdest stuff. I was staying in in Michigan City. We were, we were going out of tailgate. Um, we were staying in Michigan City. Uh, and I, don't, I went to dinner at this place and ran into this, the lady who was the, the chef. Uh, and I said, we're going on to a tailgate tomorrow. And she goes, well, yeah, well, what would you like me to cook for you? And I said, well, you know, you guys aren't open. No, I get in there. I'll cook whatever you want. I think she did uh, some huge pasta salad and seven slabs of ribs. Oh, wow. And I took them down to the tailgate. And Ryan, once the word got out, of course, Ryan and all his roommates, all these guys, the ribs got devoured. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I, I would say that any that that woman sounds like marriage material, though. Even I would consider getting oh, she married was, again. She was a sweetheart. Just a, and, I, and then she uh, went on to better places. She was a uh, place we we met, uh, Kevin, the South Shore Brewery. Oh, okay. And uh, and uh, yeah, and, you know, it, it's amazing. Yeah, one of those places where you could go during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, hey, wait, hey, hey, wait, wait, not have to, not have to, not have to strictly follow the uh, state yes. guidelines. 
But, you know, you show the difference between somebody who's supposedly a good cook like me and somebody who's an actual chef. I walked in the kitchen, she had all stuff. Everything is absolutely organized. She's boiling the pasta. She had a big bowl of the chopped peppers, all, all exactly chopped the way you're supposed to. A bowl, a bowl of the chopped tomatoes. And when she put the pasta in the thing, put some dressing, all of a sudden all the bowls were in there. It didn't take her 30 seconds. I'd have been hacking around in there for like two hours. I mean, it is amazing, <laughs> the training. that, that it, And when they cut stuff, everything is the exact same size. I mean, how long does it take to learn that, for God's sake? If, I don't think I could ever do that. Yeah, we, we have a nice culinary program where they learn all of that. Um, hey, uh, the Bodie, you guys, uh, as they say in the south side, we were talking... Uh, no, 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 it's not the Bodie, it's the Bodias. Bodias, yeah. Uh, we were talking yesterday about the changeover in... Uh, in the, the, I mean, even t- no matter what, you have to say that a lot of the jobs that are opening up are not matching the skill set of, of the people. And uh, Dan Janitas was saying yesterday about... There's no technical programs in high school. You know, clearly there's not hardly any in the, in the Chicago public schools. There used to be all kinds of them. But some of the junior colleges, like you guys, like Moraine Valley, I think College of the Page, so, some people are picking up that slack, and some might say a couple of years too late. Uh, but I but I was trying to, I was talking a little bit about the mental part of it. When I say the mental part of it, because manufacturing has been such a degrading not degrading uh, de- degrading you're about to call it a degrading uh, career path well but it, it was a degrading career path because every, every six months some, some facility closed and moved to China so it wasn't something that you really wanted your son or daughter in now the question is that's where a lot of the jobs are and there's good jobs is it a long term thing or is this just a are we t- where are we 2023 you know, in 2032, are all these jobs going to be back in China? And all of a sudden, your son or daughter now has a skill set that they were doing well with for a while. They're all just gone again. I mean, I don't think people have confidence in that in those jobs. Or am I am I wrong? Uh, no, I, go ahead. Go Mike. ahead, Kevin. Well, I, I was going to say they they might uh, be lacking in confidence, but I, you know, I I just look at the geopolitical situation, and I don't see that changing radically uh, anytime soon and that more than anything else is what makes it um, more likely that we will see uh, manufacturing jobs moving back to the U.S. or or I, I always say within the boundaries of the USMCA because I think that you know that that becomes part of the equation as well. Uh, people need stable supply networks and uh, and lacking them um, you know, you you get knocked out of business, and and I think people are looking at that you know infinite game type of thinking where you say now my first priority is no matter what disruption there is out in the world I have to I have to stay you know I have to be able to tread water at least I may not be I, able to, I, I may not be able to lead the race but I, I have to at least tread water. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I agree with you, Kevin, and you alluded to it and the national security implications of the supply system need to be fixed. We cannot rely upon particularly the Chinese uh, as reliable allies, the way that they're going right now. So we're probably okay with sourcing in Malaysia and Vietnam and so on uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, 
but even then we have all kinds of um, you know labor related issues not so much in Vietnam but in Malaysia you have you, you have some real concerns about who your suppliers are and what their what their business practices are um, and and there's increasing pressure on companies to pay attention to that now too so um, so as you start to look at it I I think there is plus plus you just have all the emerging technologies the you know the the additive manufacturing stuff that is essentially the uh, that that's the the highbrow word for uh, 3D printing but the ability to do that quickly and inexpensively to start producing parts and materials I mean basically you're you're looking at needing the minerals and I I know we're never going to mine those in this country again I'm I'm sure there's we'll, so we'll mine them we just won't process them not to We'll mine, yeah, well, mine, no, yeah. we'll we'll let other people do all the dirty work. Yeah, but, well, that's what we're doing with the, with the trace minerals now. We're sending them to China. But but, the, but those are the kinds of things you can stockpile as well. I, uh, you know, I know. With, you know, tomorrow's promise to nobody. How's that for a nice? But the idea, I mean, I, I have this reason why I have to ask is because I know I know that my view of this is totally jaundiced because I've seen the Chicago area in any kind of manufacturing. When you see, you know, Pullman, one day we're making cars, and the next day everybody's Three generation of people around the street, it, it never to be seen or heard from again. It wasn't like you were, you were asked to move to Atlanta or someplace. I mean, it was just gone. And I see, you know, Jay's potato chips gone. I've seen, and, and you know, when Dan was talking about the management people that he talks to, and you know, and Dan is, I think Dan is really good at this. He he always talks about a management group that is better than the average bear, as we used to say in Jellystone Park. The you know, the, the, these guys are good. They're real good. And, and I I look at this, you know, you and I, none, none of us are kids anymore. What you look at, you're not worried about yourself so much. You're worried about, okay, if my 30-year-old nephew goes to work for this firm, uh, what happens when this guy retires, or, or, or worse, and all of a sudden some bigger firm says that a family will give you $20 million for the place, and oh, by the way, we're shutting it down and moving all your moving all the you know stuff somewhere else. And your and your nephew at age forty is now just bleep out of luck with a skill set that doesn't really match maybe anybody else's. It I don't know what you can do about that. You can you can just you can just do the best you can because obviously in my business and on, on trading floor there's no market makers. Well, there's a few. So I mean this happens everywhere I know. But I think that this manufacturing area, especially in the Chicago area, is just a you know it's a it's a real. I still don't know if if you guys had kids again right now. If you went somewhere to a high school, unless the kid really didn't want to study stuff, I don't know that you'd pick, uh, you know, a trade curriculum versus a college prep. Now, why there aren't why there aren't combinations, I have no idea. I mean, in Marist, there's no reason why I couldn't have taken a mechanical drawing or woodshop class. It sure as hell would have helped me at Pullman learn how to read a drawing. So I'm not so sure that there shouldn't be somewhat of a combo there. Maybe that's well, the solution. Uh, but, I want you to keep in mind too that there are other aspects of you know what I would call supply chain related businesses so uh, so you still have distribution you always have transportation those are always important um, and that so those those skills are transferable and, and those uh, you know that's growing growing industries no matter where the products are sourced uh, and those will always be in play but the other thing that I always emphasize, um, because you you still have the issue of, uh, you know, what skills do you need as we move to more automation? You may be really good at, at manufacturing, at running a line, uh, you know, being the manager, being the supervisor, being the plant manager, whatever it is. But 
the skills that you need to survive in a uh, in a world that gets more and more automated are the skills that always matter. So the question is, can you, are you are you a good creative thinker? Can you do some research? Um, can uh, can you uh, you know can you do a good financial analysis? Can you work with teams? Can you work in diverse teams? And you know and that's that's diverse uh, culturally diverse, but it's also but it, you know it's also you know age uh, age groups and, uh, um, and and gender and and all of those things. Can you fit in? Work with people uh, and and you know make stuff happen those the need for those skills is never going away it's well, always there it's always important and so you can you can specialize in manufacturing but those skills are transferable if you're willing to learn more and you have to look at education as something that you do lifelong well i, I don't disagree i guess the uh i mean mike probably hasn't hasn't even discerned it yet but the, the theme of the show one of them is that Everything sort of depends on everything else. And when you look at the real estate prices and you have Odd and Nancy on, and you say, well, what does that have to do with this discussion here? It has a, it has a basically a bleep load to do with it because I agree with you, Kevin. If, if you're somewhat nimble and you learn basic skills, everything else you learn on top of it, I mean, a lot of stuff Mike learned in the military, it's, it's applicable everywhere. But my, my concern is, and there's nothing I can do about it, is that when I left... University of Chicago. I had I had a, had a decent job. I remodeled houses on the weekends and played softball five nights a week or basketball. So I, I lived at home for a while. I paid my mother rent, of course, unlike most kids. And, and by the way, if something in the house needed to be painted, I did it. So it wasn't like I was a gold brick there. Plus, I was never there. But I mean, I could have, on any given day, I could have walked in and said, by the way, take this job and shove it. I mean, I, I, had, I was beholden to nobody. Yet I see people now lining up for, I mean, Nancy will tell you on Monday, you're lining up for essentially a 30-year commitment for both sides of the marriage, A, to stay married, which is tough, and by the way, both always have a job, both always never get laid off because we're signing ourselves up for 30 years for something that neither one of us can, it's a totally different world than the world I, I was into, and you guys I think were sort of the same way. We had a fallback position, home. We had maybe a few bucks in the bank, not that much. And oh, by the way, Eddie Mae, the guy would have said, I want you to do this. He, he could have said, screw you, I'm out of here. I mean, the, the, the pressure we're putting on these people and the contracts, what I'm saying is the debt contract that your normal com- uh, couple is signing themselves up for is totally different than the, than the, than the work contract where three generations work for Pullman. That's, that's, that's what I'm getting at here. I mean, I know I can't solve it, but at least I'm trying to tie it together a little bit. That's my concern. I, I understand, and for, you know, look, I, I can only reference my my own career as an example, um, because uh, I was in banking and I used to get sold every few years. So you know, I had I had to be flexible. Kevin O'Neill uh, sold, sold. Yeah, you know what? Uh, senior management, you know, they already have one of me. So once you're when you're senior management in that situation, you're not you're not sticking around. Sold to Murphy. You're now in the army. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, and it's the same principle with me, Tom. I mean, we were forced, not forced so much. We always had an option to get out of the Army. I always had that option. But every two or three years or four years, if you were lucky, you moved somewhere else. And you had to work with a different team, just like Kevin was talking about. And you had to do 
although I did similar jobs all the time, I still had to work with different teams. So it it I was trained to be nimble, and you have to be able to think on your feet, and you know all those things that you guys do. Well, you're doing it every day on this show. Kevin's doing it in the classroom. I did it in a classroom, and I did it at work. So it it's just we have marketable skills. Most people do if they're educated and if they've used their heads. And, so, and that's the key, Mike, if they use their heads. Right. Um, no, and, I agree, Kevin. And, and, and let's get back to Starlink. I wanted to, okay, yeah. so Musk probably somehow, whether the Ukrainians didn't pay their bill <laughs> Which or possible. his, yeah. you know, the, the Starlink broke down, it, the Ukrainians have been using that probably for communications because it's uh, it was a reliable source of communications. So, I mean, so... You know, their military probably does not have a reliable communication system like our military does. So it it's unfortunate, and and I don't think Musk probably did this on purpose. But you you know you don't know with him because he's a disruptor. Well, let's go to break and let's, let's, let's hang on to that because um, have you ever seen that startling go by? No, but it's probably similar to our systems. No, it's uh, actually, I don't want to give Odd a bunch of crap here, but Odd saw it one night. She was letting the dog out at like 3 in the morning. She she actually thought we were like getting invaded. (laughs) I mean, it's a string of like 30. Canadians! Yeah, it it is a string of like 30 lights all in a row going across. I, I. I, I, you know, of course, I've given her no end of grief about it. She showed it's it's only when they first launch them, you'd swear you'd swear it was a bunch of flying saucers up there coming by, like all in a row. I mean, it's it's really something how many of these things are up there. Well, I have a friend of mine that lives out in Colorado, and he uses it. You know, that's his reliable source of comms because he's out in the middle of uh, nowhere, and he and he said his you know internet capability improved. I don't know how much of a percentage because he went with Starlink. What did he use so, before, Hughes? No, he he. I don't know that he had a reliable uh, downlink at the or a reliable uplink at the time. So he was probably using his phone, so a modem. So you, you know, yeah. when you go from the bandwidth of a phone to the bandwidth of Starlink, you're really in good shape. What is the the, the dish, the Hughes system? Is that reliable at all, or is that countrywide, or is that just I don't even know. I know you see it advertised though, whenever you drive through a rural area. Oh, Tom, I don't know. I have yeah. not seen that. The only I used to work for Hughes as a contractor in Germany, but that was a long time ago. SP Futures. That's Carl in the second eight, uh, second eight uh, know. segment. SP Futures down ten. Nasdaq Futures down forty eight. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. 
Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands. But you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. We have Greg Pappas on the board. SP futures down 7. NASDAQ futures down 37. Uh, Dow futures down 57. We have all this stuff going on with Apple. Adobe's got a big move up today. They're up almost 11 bucks. Uh, those guys have been not really mentioned as part of the Magnificent 7, but they've had just as good a run this year as any of those. Uh, in the Dow, I don't really have anything moving all that much. Um, everybody's down a little bit, just almost across the board. Yesterday was another odd day. Uh, we ended up, well, I'll give you the exact numbers. We ended up down, but the um, S&P was down 14, NASDAQ down 123, almost another 1% in the NASDAQ. Dow actually was up 57. Big move up in, the, in all the healthcare stuff yesterday. I mean, it's uh, United Health was up. We had uh, Johnson & Johnson was up. So that, that area, that no matter, we seem to think no matter what happens, you know, they're still going to be able to get 10,000 a night in these, in these hospitals. I don't know how that's all going to play out, but I'm not so sure about that. Uh, DAX down 64.4%, FTSE down 6, call that flat. CAC around down 8, call that flat. So you're slightly down, but not that much. We're in Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 384, that's 1.2%. Uh, Hang Seng uh, unchanged, which is really something. Uh, Shanghai down 5, call that flat. The big news, obviously, is is uh, the, the Chinese government's now saying anybody's, anybody in government can't have an Apple phone. So that's what's putting the pressure on Apple, and, uh, and we're putting the pressure on Huawei and this is going to, we have to break, we'll ask Mike where it's going to come to some kind of a head. The first time we had a war fought over cell phones, that'd be, that'd be interesting. Uh, Ten-year unchanged at 4.25, the Bund unchanged 2.61. Japan is also unchanged, 0.65. It's not much going on in the equity market, or the uh, interest rate markets this morning. Oil up another 59 cents, this keeps going. 87.46, when it got to 82, we said it might be a breakout. I guess we were right, I should have bought some. Rent up 67 cents, 90.59. Natural gas up 4 cents, 2.62. Arbob, ouch, up 6 cents, 2.68. Should have filled up the Suburban the other day. I only got three quarters of a tank. Gold up 4 bucks, 19.46. Maybe a little bit of a move there. Still down for the week. Uh, silver up 4 cents, 23.28. Copper down 4 cents, 3.71. We actually got along some silver yesterday. Just 
just a little bit because uh, it's not really all that down but it's it's kind of at a price where I liked it. A Bitcoin down 22 bucks, 25,842. US dollar, which has been real strong, it's kind of flat today with the euro at 107. Again, it was 108, 108 and a half for a real long time. The pound is 124.7, it was 127, 128 for a long time. So dollar has strengthened. Well, a lot of stuff there, Greg. What do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Good morning, everyone. 6.37 a.m. Chicago, we've got 61 degrees right now, about 68 today, mostly cloudy with spotty drizzle. Phoenix, 84 right now, um, heat warning today, 110 degrees, poor air quality, and mostly sunny. We're going to tie records from 1979, so uh, bring the inhaler and try to stay out of the sun. Traffic, Kennedy, Montrose, the interchange, 19 minutes, Eden's, 35 minutes, Eisenhower is 24 minutes, Dan Ryan, 95th to the interchange is 19 minutes, Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 25, and Bishop Ford, I-80 to the interchange is 14 minutes. Tennis, we got Goff uh, beat Machova, 6-4, This is uh, women's. Sabalenka beat Madison Keys in three sets, and that was two tiebreakers. So Sabalenka, 0-6, MLB, Diamondbacks beat the Cubs. They move into the third wildcard spot. And NFL, upset. Lions beat the Chiefs. That was 21-20. And then the big news other than that was Joe Burrow's contract is $275 million with 219 guaranteed or reported. Wow. That's all I got. Back to you, Chief. So he just jumped into the uh, high net worth guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're reaching out to him today, <laughs> won't you? Hey, hey, we got, you know what? Um, I can almost tell by the investments he'll have five years ago how much of it is agent because they all got buddies that got people involved in stuff and they, it's all land deals, it's all crazy stuff and, you, you know, I... I don't know. No comment, I guess. Or maybe I already did comment. But uh, this China situation, are, are we looking for ways to piss each other off, or what are we doing here? Oh, no. We're just really good at it. You know, we aren't looking for new ways. We're just, you know, running the playbook. We, we, how long it took us this long to figure out maybe these guys aren't the best allies? I don't, this this is one of the most fascinating things that I've, I've seen played the out in my life. President scoffed at the idea that they were uh, anything other than a uh, a happy competitor. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean... <clears throat> well, and it just, you know, Kevin, you say that ironically, but, you know, that, that was the line for years. I mean, it probably started with Nixon. You know, went through Clinton and now Biden and... Elder George Bush, I remember right. seeing him speak. I mean, and, Elder uh, George Bush was you know, the ambassador He was all about engagement. Yeah, he was all about engagement. You know, yeah. it was we engage with them. And that, you know, Tom talks about that with Friedman as well. The idea that if we engage with them, they'll get their taste of freedom and everything will be great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I remember the come on, man. Uh, that wasn't too long ago. Right. Oh, it's a, I mean, uh, Lou has been, you know, he, he's counseled me into thinking, somewhat differently about this you, you just can't assume that just because it looks like it's the best way that people always want to do it your way you know that people don't necessarily want to have elections maybe they it's just not in their dna or something i mean I, I, maybe that's they just... correct and and we you know i i know that i've said this before we don't think long term they do so we have to start thinking long term and put our strategic interests first well, I mean, the how do you how do you shape that though, Mike? I mean, it's very well. Diff- why do you, why are we farming out jobs to China? Well, I you know, labor's cheaper there. Well, 
we're going to have to pay our people a better living wage for our national security interests. So, you know, and, you know, Mexico is a somewhat reliable partner, but even then, you know, uh, we just have to do a better job managing our own interests. Our our medical industry, well, the pharmaceutical industry, excuse me, those critical uh, ph pharmaceutical products or the critical drugs need to be made in the United States. And I think we can accomplish that. I think we have, a, well, we used to have the manufacturing basis to do that. And I think, you know, cars, all this electric uh, nonsense that the Biden administration wants to do. Everything, we slowly need to bring back jobs to the United States. Um, the, there's no disagreement there, but the, I don't know that if I stuck you at Camp David for a week, you could come up with a plan that would work. I mean, when I say that, I'm not, I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying that it, it is it is we have uh, one of the things I go into something weird all the time but one of the things I did in one of the courses one of the things I did, we did in class at this University of Chicago uh, Mike and Kevin was we, we tried to design uh, compensation packages for people to drive the CEOs into the long term uh, goodness of the firm you know. And, and if you do that you, you have to put in all the stuff Kevin always talks about you, got, you have to uh, if it, you can't just do you know, every 90 days give a bonus paid on profit right. because you're liable to dump your pollution in the river and 30 years from now when the guy's not around anymore the firm has to pay a fortune to clean up the river you know and, and so you have to make sure that if you're going to have a long term view you have to keep the community in mind you have to keep the environment in mind because you're going to have to clean it up it's not a question of whether it's good or bad the assumption was you, you will eventually get caught and have to pay for it now maybe that doesn't happen but my point is it, it, to design stuff like that is actually very difficult to do. <laughs> and people would come in and design somebody's plan, and a guy would read somebody's plan in front of class, and like the other 20 people would be just derisive at somebody's plan. <laughs> That's not going to work, you idiot. I mean, literally, it was, about, it was almost that bad. It was a very free-flowing class. I mean, to, to try and... I, I, for one, think that the, the Constitution, which is a great document, sort of has the wrong thing there in terms of electing people and representatives are if you were to put that plan together a two-year plan we have to raise money every year every every two years i think that the idea of you know them be having to be forced to go back to the population every two years is really a great one but in the long-term view it's probably not and well and you know it's unfortunate and in the modern world you know that all those guys particularly congressmen are worried about being reelected. But I mean, and, what you're saying though, what I'm getting to here, too long-winded, is the person with a long-term view is going to be a dictator. He's going to be there for life. But we don't want that either, right? So, well, you know, you, it's a valid point. But look at Africa. You know, you've had rulers for life there, and there's been very little improvement. The guy that well, just I, I was overthrown you. in Niger, I think his family's been running Niger for roughly 50 years. So well, and, there's and, that kind of dictator. It just wants to grease himself. But well, but look yeah. at our leadership. They're greasing themselves. I mean, why? Okay, Biden's remained in office roughly. You know, he's been in office roughly title, fifty years. Trump keeps running, so he can you know uh, 
you know, just get more campaign money from the schlubs that are willing to support him. We, yeah, although we, I, I think right now he's reven- he's very revenge motivated. Oh, granted, but you know he, you know, our system right now is, and now I'm being alarmist, but it's it's on the verge of collapse because we, you know, we have a generation that refuses to give up power, so. Well, I, I guess my question, I want to, I'm sorry, Kevin, I'll, my, my question is right now, look at the, the pharmaceuticals, and I go back to ITT and Harold Janine. Do you, do you think, I'm not going to say Biden personally because I think the guy's losing a little bit, but even if, it, even if he wasn't, do you think he's more powerful than the three heads of the pharmaceutical companies? I don't think he is. I don't think he can tell them what to do. Well, I think they're calling the shots because we're yeah. we're now seeing the uh, the COVID scare ramp up again. That's probably why the stock prices are up. Um, yeah, in, in healthcare is uh, everybody's seeing. I, I went out to eat last night. Uh, waitress had a mask on. Well, I mean, I, so I, I mean, so that's out of place. But of course, what's the point when you wear the mask below the nose? Unless yeah. she's just, <laughs> unless she drools. <laughs> you know, there's, there's really not a whole lot of point to this. So the stupidity is starting to begin again. Um, not as bad as it, Japan, Kevin, where they have it up and they're smoking behind, underneath it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, uh, the, uh, you know, what, what Mike's describing and, uh, you know, about, uh, I, I wouldn't say so much gradually as much as systematically uh, bringing more manufacturing home. Um, you know, I, I think that that's probably the approach we need to have but you're really talking about something i've discussed a lot and that's just infinite game thinking and we have had lessons in that we've had really really hard lessons over the last few years about your if you have your if you're not good at risk assessment and you're not good at thinking long term what happens because we've seen so many businesses knocked out um and, uh, and and so all it takes is a you know a rather substantial event, and uh, like like we've seen whether it was self-inflicted or not, you know uh, uh, from a societal basis is not really the point. Uh, the point is we had the event, people lost, they lost big time, and they didn't have to. Uh, a lot of them didn't right, have I to. I agree. Um, and and I, I you know I think that's I think that's really what's going to drive change in this is people you know if if you don't start thinking that if you if you don't have a really rigorous risk assessment plan uh, you know you're you're going to be knocked out of business and uh, and you're, and you're not you know you're just not going to be able to continue to operate in any uh, meaningful way and that more than anything else and and I, I think you are starting to see more boards of directors demanding it of their of management um, you know those that aren't completely in the pocket of management and and, I would say know, that the people that Dan deals with and you deal with, one hundred percent correct. These, yeah. these multinationals. I get my my question is, and I, I don't know. I'm not expecting you guys to come up with an answer. I I honestly think, and this is boy, this is really screwed up. I honestly think that I don't think our president, whoever he happens to be, or our senators, or even if they all get together, and of course you could you can invade the corporate office. I don't think they are powerful enough to tell these people what to do. I don't think that. Biden or Trump or somebody else, thank God, hopefully, can, can walk up to the president of Pfizer and say, I don't want you making this crap in China. He'll say, okay. And then, and then they'll make it in China, and the, the ship will wave by Vietnam, and all of a sudden they'll put a Vietnam 
a bill of lading on it, and guess what? It's here. And I don't think our guys have the stomach whatsoever to arrest that guy or do anything to that firm. I think well, I think they probably they don't have the stomach to arrest him, but as start as you start to see, um, you know, different kinds of technologies and very specifically blockchain implemented in supply chains, it becomes a little bit more of a challenge to try and change that flag. I, I get it, but I'm, I'm saying I don't I don't think we have the capability of telling him. I don't think he has the capability tomorrow. Suppose Musk actually did turn this thing off, the Starlink, and screw the Ukrainians, like Mike says. We have no idea. What if he did? Do you think that, that that Biden could pick up the phone and say, "Don't ever do that again"? I don't. I don't well, think- he he could. There there could be some negotiations involved, Tom, and actually Congress could start doing their job rather than just conducting you know endless investigations and you know develop legislation that that might lead to jobs coming home and and companies thinking a little bit more long term and. You know, Apple is getting pressure from probably their shareholders to bring jobs back to the United States, and we need to develop, you know, the infrastructure here to support industries like that, yep. and the pharmaceutical industry, and the, you know, the the green industry. We just, you know, I, we have to quit farming jobs out to the lesser developed nations. Mike, we're, we're giving these people a 17-year patent, maybe 19, because they managed to, to somehow expand the, well, the Viagra and Cialis. I, I look at those two because they used to advertise a lot on TV, and now they don't. They, they got them to 19. We're giving these people enough. I mean, aren't we? I mean, I, I, I'm saying I don't, I don't think that they would pay attention to anything and you're because they they know that when somebody gets in front of the TV and, and and bitches one of these guys out for lack of a better term, that's all cameo. That's all that's all FaceTime. That's all nothing because they've all gotten a, a contribution from these guys and they're not going back in. We're not we're not the stuff you're talking about absolutely has to happen. What I'm saying, how is it going to happen? We, we you think the average person here now they're gonna they're gonna negotiate on, on some on some uh, anybody who's older never had a heart rhythm problem, you've probably been lambasted to be on Eliquis. This stuff's 500 hours a month. It's a 13-year-old drug. What do you think it costs per pill for those guys to make it? Two cents? Right. I mean, I mean, I mean you know, we, we're, and now we, we might negotiate it down to what, 400? I mean, really, Joe? I mean, I mean, and he, he I guess he's trying. But this is so, it, the, the horse is so far to the barn, the horse is laughing at us, is, is my point. And I don't see... Right, no, and you know, and, you know, John Kerry's so far out you know, on the green movement, that people are laughing at him. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know what we do, Tom. But I'll tell you what: we need to start figuring it out. And Americans are good at innovation, so we need to kind of let the free market. But you know, but it, and I'll say that. But then I'm saying, okay, so the free market said go to China or Mexico, and now those countries have hurt us. So. You know, I'm talking out of both sides of my yeah. mouth. Well, it, it's it's easy to do. I mean, it's real easy to do to do that. I mean, but I guess what I the question I've asked some of the other people I never hit you up with this one, uh, Mike. When I was in Chicago, the idea of of sending a Chevy pick me up plant down to Mexico, where people were only making three and a quarter an hour, the professors, the economic professors, and these guys, they weren't getting money from Mexico or anything like that. They were they were legitimate, brilliant guys. 
they thought that it was exactly like you know the the, the razors and the blades. You give the blades away, and all of a sudden people come back and buy the razors. That if we put people down there at three and a quarter an hour, at some point they're going to demand higher wages. And oh, by the way, it'll be five hours an hour. It'll be seven dollars an hour. It'll be ten. And all of a sudden, these people and all the people around them will now become customers, and they'll buy so much stuff from up here. We're going to get back in spades. The three and a quarter versus fifteen dollars an hour differential that for a few years their labor, our labor didn't get, and their labor got. That in ten years, our labor is going to have so much more business from Mexico. That our guys be making thirty, and even though they had to suck it up for a little while, it's going to be so much better than anybody else. And, and you know what? The theory of it, when it happened, I looked at it. I didn't say, "God, you guys are idiots." It's it seemed okay to me, and I, I was younger. Why? No, the theory was great, but you. They why didn't, didn't it anticipate happen? dictators in power? You know, changing changing the rules of a free market system. You know, China isn't a free market system. No. So, and and all, they're too busy stealing all of our technology. Question is, are we free market system anymore? Uh, you know, Tom, that's a very good question. Uh, and in some respects, now that the government is doing so much investment, uh, I don't think that, that we are. And, and it's the government driving prices up, and it's the government driving interest rates up. So how do we correct that as a people and as a society? You know, we're talking about some hard choices, uh, and it's got to begin with the, the next election. Well, I mean, if, if you bring a chip manufacturer back here, and Kevin knows way more about this than me, bring a chip manufacturer down here, what's the first thing that happens now? It doesn't, you and I don't decide, let's go over to, long departed continental bank and borrow some money and do some research and maybe find some people together and then form a company and go out and raise capital first thing we do is we stop at government and ask them to bend over and stick our nose up there I mean, it's, well, we gotta get money from the state we gotta get money from the federal government we gotta with a big chip manufacturing place in Arizona and what's the one going near Cleveland right Mike well, all of a sudden you see the senators and god knows who else out there giving people all this stuff your first stop is not the normal place Right. For a free market, is it? No, you're exactly right. And that's why somehow we have to get the government out of the investment business. You know, we and, need to go back to market makers. And yet when it comes to chips, that's exactly where the government is. And they're, and as part of the investment, they're imposing agenda items. You know, how much how much child care do you have to offer right. uh, for, yeah. for people? You know, those kinds of things that are unrelated I mean, they they may be quasi related because they're important. You know, I I, I I do believe that you if you want to attract the best people, that you have to do the things that are going to attract the best people. But that's left better to the market than a mandate. Well, yeah, I, yes, it, but I mean, somehow, that, well, perhaps they could develop legislation that kind of alludes to those things, or you know, maybe oh no, they they did that's in the Chips Act, huh? They did that's in the Chips Act. Okay, all right. Well, maybe we shouldn't let lobbyists write the X. Well, that's no, that's another should, valid point, Tom. So we should let me pick the lobbyists who write the. Uh... I, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go down the road towards a dictator, but boy, oh boy, when when they drop a, a thousand page document on the president's desk, I would, you know, I don't know if I could go through them. Carl would. I'd love to, I'd love to pull out like five hundred of the pages and say. 
I'm signing these 500. I don't know what you guys can do with the other 500. I mean, well, and and now we're going down to you know here comes the government shutdown again, you, you know, and and Congress is saying they're going to do one thing, and the, the you know the White House is saying it's going to do another. So it's a crapshoot every year, and and there needs to be incentives to our legislators to pass a budget early in the year. Well, they 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 pass a budget, but it's all based on the. I'm going to say, on the one hand, you can always, that's the thing, that's so beautiful about these issues. You can argue both sides pretty easily. <laughs> It'd be great for debate class. Where's John Flanagan? Wasn't he on a debate team? Uh, you, you look at the, on the one hand, you say, why is Congress doing this? They pass these bills, and it costs all this money. Why are they shocked? Okay, when, when, so when it comes time for the, the debt ceiling, they must have known what they, here's assumption one, they must have known what they voted for, okay, well, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. And now they're shocked that it's reached. But also, every one of these bills, I believe, Mike, you're closer to this than me, every one of these bills has to go before the Congressional Budget Office, right? Which is, you know, they claim is apolitical, but nothing's apolitical in Washington. And they're going to say, for instance, the Trump tax cut. Uh, this tax cut over 10 years is actually going to be accretive in revenue. And I'm sitting there going, Really? Okay, so now it's five years later. It turns out it wasn't the creed of revenue, which it wasn't. And now you look at the, the debt ceiling and you say, here's another chance, another slice at the apple, because the bills we signed, either we didn't read them or, or they did them wrong or something. They're obviously, we're, we should have a, a $20 trillion deficit, and by the way, it's 32 We've got to do something. So it's another f- slice at the apple, which it probably shouldn't be, but by the same token, maybe it ought to be. I, it, I mean, I, I don't know which side to argue on that one, do you? No, you know, and and then we get the blatant lies about oh yeah, I cut the deficit by 1.7 trillion, and you know, and and then you get the Joe Mansions coming in at the last minute to to save the bill, and it's our <laughs> I don't know, I I guess I'm our system jaded, is not <laughs> working properly. Well, you're you're what you're voicing Mike is actually what I've been talking about all week because of the labor numbers last week I've been all we only had a short week this week it's only been four days people are listening to me but it had to do with the labor numbers last week I mean Carl picked right. it up instantly and finally some of the other articles as the week wore on those things were a pile not not necessarily of lies but they were there was it was a horrible labor report and yet it was been reported all week on TV what it was the Goldilocks labor report I mean when you when you say the, that these guys uh, Biden or Trump or whoever the hell's in there now, if if they were to drop the uh, the, the percentage growth of the deficit by one percent over the first next five years, you or I or Kevin would not feel comfortable saying we actually cut the deficit. Yet they are. They're going to say they they cut the growth of it in their mind, but they didn't cut it at all. It's not like today it was it was you know a trillion dollars and tomorrow it's a you know, nine ninety. I mean, yeah. they're, not well, even, they're not even and, talking and about you, that. If you look at the uh, report out this week, uh, or cut the deficit, or cut the rate of growth, whatever you want to call it, we're looking at two trillion. Yeah, but they're, they're going to cut this this it's, rate. It's rate not of cut growth. at all. It's it's, it's yeah. doubled. It's, it's like people saying in, that uh, they're making the assumption every day because the rate of inflation appears to be decreasing from what it was that all of a sudden. Prices are going down. No, that's not what you said at all. <laughs> as long as the inflation number is one zillionth, the the prices are still going up, right? Yet, listen all day long to every every, every station. You you swear prices are coming down. They're not. 
Yet, no, right, and gas prices are going up. Oh, they're so. going up huge. Um, I should have should have filled up the suburban. I'm kicking myself. At, at yeah, you should have. Right at four oh three. Uh, you know what's interesting though? This time of the year, they don't go up very fast. If you look at uh, the the rate of increase of the oil prices versus the rate of increase of Arbob, which is the uh, wholesale price in New York Harbor, that's been pretty sticky, considering that the oil has gone up. Gas really hasn't gone up as much as you would think, because oil's up 25% in the last you know, five weeks, or 20%, and gas hasn't been up that much. Because this time of the year, generally, gas goes down in September. Well, it, you know, we've had Labor Day, so the holiday's over, so now they can drop the prices a little, although they're not dropping the no. prices. So, you know, it, I, I'm... I don't know, Tom. I'm just well, I'm getting very you, I'm frustrated as an American citizen. That's well, that's all. okay. We, we, we'll talk about it, and uh, we'll, we'll just voice the real stuff that's going on like we try to do. And we're going to have to dump you two dudes, and we'll get Carl on in a second, because uh, I want to. now that he's had a week to look at the labor report, I want to get a little bit more on that. Plus, I want to ask him about the Starlink thing. Uh, what, what else should I ask him that, that you guys, that I would forget if you didn't tell me? Oh, uh, what we we were gonna yeah we were gonna just talk about uh, satellite service in general yeah I'll, I'll do that thanks guys have a good weekend SP futures and by the way what what time's the game tomorrow are we, are we uh, noon noon actually noon, noon Eastern uh, so eleven Central I, I wiped uh, I, I changed my schedule from Duke being a patsy to not being a patsy no uh, the you're right the Notre Dame schedule got a lot tougher yeah I, I wouldn't overrate them either. They're yeah, good. but they're good. You have to beat some good teams if you're if you want to be a, right. a contender. And, Clemson, and now Clemson will have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder too. So I just love to see that guy. Who do you like to see lose worse, Kelly or Dabo? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I go with Kelly. Okay. <laughs> SP Futures down six. SP Futures down thirty three. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? 
Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, Stocks stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Lower well, we'll stocks and jacks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. SP futures down six. Nasdaq futures down thirty-five. Do we have a uh, Professor Carl? You do. How are you, bud? Uh, uh, we got all kinds of topics to talk about. I guess. The yeah, ma- I've been listening to your first hour. So uh, you can tell Mike was in the military. He likes the stuff done right, huh? Well, you know. Uh, so so let's uh, let's go after the Starlink thing first. Yeah. Um. It was reported when this dust-up with Russia and Ukraine first began that one of the elements of Starlink's terms of service was that it not be used in any way to facilitate or participate in any sort of military activity, period. And, and I, that this I can was, understand that. I get that. Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you why that's there, and it's not because Elon is, uh, you know, is trying to be a peacemaker. It's because those satellites are in low Earth orbit. Every single space-faring nation can reach them. And a million dollars worth of BBs thrown into that orbit, which is extremely cheap to do if you're a space-faring nation, don't need to actually have any explosives or seeking things or whatever, will not only ruin his constellation, it will actively deny access to that orbital plane for hundreds of years and there's almost nothing that anyone can do to clean it up it would be a I mean I am beyond ticked off that we have allowed this to happen in the first place because it has destroyed one of my formal hobbies which is astrophotography Uh, I'm very glad that when I got back into digital photography I didn't go out and spend the money uh, when when I was younger I used to do this with film equipment and uh, you know it uh, tells people I guess a little bit about how old I am uh, for those who don't know today it's all done digitally but you you can't do this anymore because where, where, did, you have to go? where did you have to go you can do that from a city do you, you have to well you have to get out of this you have to get where there's not light pollution, okay, which has also become a very difficult problem. Uh, Up in northern Michigan when I was younger, this was not much of an issue today. Uh, Due to the invasion of all the people with money from Chicago, uh, it is essentially impossible in that particular place. But there still are parts of the uh, the United... We canoed in in, uh, the Boundary Waters when I got out of grad school. My brother dragged us up there on a canoe trip. I never saw anything like it, Carl. You never the, the sky looked totally different. Well, um, I I thought uh, as as Sarah got a little older and started getting interested in such things and you know photography and stuff like that, um, we'd go up into northern Michigan and there's a there's a dark sky park right near the Mackinac Bridge, which is supposedly a dark sky park anyway, and we'd go up there and yeah it was it was kind of okay. And I just thought you know I'm getting older my eyesight isn't quite what it used to be and you know you are talking about very faint little things in the sky right at night when I remember there were so well, many stars up there I couldn't even find 
like the Big Dipper. There was so many, there were so many other ones up there, you couldn't even delineate them. Well, here's, here was the interesting thing. So then uh, when her 21st birthday was coming, we, we took a trip up into Canada, uh, and we went to Algonquin, the, the provincial park up there, which I'd been to when I was much younger. And uh, that is 100 miles from anything. Not mosquitoes and moose. The mosquitoes can pick you up and carry you up there. Well, it depends on what time of year you go. We, you know, you, you go in the, towards the end of summer, not so many mosquitoes. There, there are moose. But um, <laughs> so we get out there, and I look up, and I'm like, oh, no, my eyes are fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, no, no, they are. But the the problem is that while looking at it is one thing, and, and you know, you mentioned that your wife, you know, saw the, the train of satellites that were being deployed. Um, that's only during the time that they're being deployed. Once they're actually out there and they fire their thrusters and such, and they get into the constellation, that, that you know, that... Uh, it looked just like a, a, tri- a whole string of flying saucers were invading us. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and But, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of them. And the problem is that if you're trying to do photography, they put streaks across everyone, you know, all your images. Okay, they ruin it. It's it, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's gone. What what used to be there for amateurs that wanted to do this kind of thing just because they wanted to do it, it's gone. Unless you can get outside of that orbital plane, which means you have to get in a rocket. Uh, you know, I mean, it it doesn't do anything to the James Webb scope because that's at the Lagrange point, which is <laughs> yeah, that is a long way out there. Uh, but for for those of us ordinary humans that are that are stuck on this rock itself. Uh, that sort of uh, that sort of thing is is forever destroyed, and in fact, I had attempts to get uh, lunar eclipse photography ruined by Musk's constellation a couple of years ago. Really? It was yeah. All right. So, um, he, but he's supposed to be neutral, and well, no, he, he says well, he well, so, okay. so yeah. So basically, the. The, the thing is, you know, the older system, the the Hughes, you know, Hughes is is the one that everyone knows about. Although there actually, I think at one point there were two or three of them. Uh, Hughes is still around. the The problem with those is that those work just like the the system that you would if you have a dish, uh, you know, dish network, uh, you know, for uh, for TV. Those were those are on geostationary orbits. Okay, they are way, way out there in terms of orbital time. The the Starlink satellites are in very close. They're in near Earth orbit. They're just outside the atmosphere, a little over 100 miles up. Um, and and that is so. As a result, the time that it takes for a signal to go up and back down is roughly equivalent to what it takes for a signal to go across a couple hundred miles on Earth. Because it's a couple hundred miles. <laughs> okay? It's, you know, up and back down, it's a couple hundred miles. What are your... What are your uh... Well, geostationary chief is 22,000 miles out. Well, I, uh, funny you should mention that. I, they, they sold this radio, and I, of course, bought the damn thing. And, I don't know, it's somewhere buried in my house. I'm cleaning, I'll find it. But if ever if everybody tries to well, first of all, you go across the street at Wrigley Field and get in the skybox or the rooftop. You're watching the TV. You hear the cheers long before you see the play. Correct. Now, but the radio is is current. I mean, you can right. listen to the radio in a park, and and you listen to Pat Hughes. You're you're watching. You're listening to the game. So this radio allowed you to put a delay up to like eight seconds. Well, now I think it's more than eight seconds. 
Well, it's yeah. This is see. This is bit. Well, some of that is tape delay. They do it on purpose. Um, but I used to do radio and TV hits on a fairly regular basis uh, before you know before Zoom. And you go to the studio, and they you know they mic you up, and you know they point a camera in your face. And uh, and I always used to ask them for the back channel feed coming back from the you know whatever the if it was a CNBC hit or whatever have you. And they look at me like I had six heads. Most people don't want it, and for most people, they can't deal with it because it is delayed substantially uh, by by several seconds. Ours is delayed. That, Everything we do here is delayed. Well, but that signal has to be shot up to you know if you're doing it on a satellite, that signal has to be shot up to the satellite, and then it has to come back down. Right. And that that time delay in the context of an internet connection is enormous. So Hughes cheats. They do a lot of buffering in the terminal equipment on your end, in the in the box on your end. They do caching there, so a web-based kind of experience, kind of sorta, is is not so bad. Okay, and the other problem is that there's only 360 degrees, obviously, in a circle. Um, if you have quarter degree spacing or half degree spacing, that helps. But there's only so many slots. You can only put a you know one satellite in one slot and you can't change where they go orbitally because if you do they're not geostationary anymore they move and you don't want you know with a with a regular dish you point it at something it has to the, what you're targeting has to stay in the same place in the sky relative to your location on the ground so you can't do that and as a result there are very few of these satellites up there in in real terms um, obviously the one that you point at has to be in part part of the the disc that you, you can see from where you are on the ground. So you can't use all 360 or 720 or whatever of the of the slots because half of them are on the wrong side of the planet. Um, and so this means that the performance that's available is very low. You take all these things, you put it together, and yes, it works. Um, however, it is extremely not optimal compared to what you have from essentially any other thing. So it's always been a last resort. All right. Um, so, so, but how does, how does, how does, uh, well, Starlink doesn't have any of those problems. I know, but, but how does an army who's using, I guess they use cell phones these days. I mean, for lack of a better term, some of these places, how do you, how do they, how do they not use the self? I mean, it seems like they're using that more than what, what other means of communication would Ukraine have? Well, you got to be really see part of the problem with with using something like this uh, in a military operation of any kind is that anything that emits radio frequency energy is really easy to find. Okay, and if you can find it, you can blow it up. In the um, uh, in the book, did you ever read uh, Red Storm Rising? You probably did. Yeah, way back. Well. They had people that were able to take out communication satellites with like an F-15. Um, um, yeah, there's so the low the the thing is is the stuff the stuff that's up in geostationary orbit. Um, if hitting that is not going to be easy at all because it's so far out. Okay, but all the low Earth stuff, which is which also by the way includes all the nice little spy satellites and stuff that we have floating around. Those are in different orbits, but but a lot of them are in low Earth. Um, there's there is a detente of sorts um, because anybody that does a, a nasty up there on purpose 
uh, is is running the risk of actively denying their own access to space along with everybody else's so uh, you know i mean if <laughs> but uh, don't kid yourself i mean uh, uh, you know you're talking about something that's moving at tens of thousands of miles an hour a bb in an opposing orbit is going to destroy it i don't care what the satellite's made out of all right and not only that not only is it going to destroy it, it's going to create a lot more BBs. <laughs> right, oh yeah. <laughs> You're going to make a lot of pieces. And so, the uh, you know, there is a real problem with that kind of thing. There's a lot of concern Weren't about the Chinese it. supposedly uh, coming up with a laser system where they can just nail them from the ground? Well, uh, that's, uh, you know, there's been a lot of... Uh, there's been a lot of black projects over the years trying to d- use directed energy weapons uh, for that kind of a purpose. Uh, there's all sorts of issues with trying to fire them from the ground because the the atmosphere uh, is is quite a diffuser over that kind of a distance. Okay, I mean you know you you think of lasers as being a collimated beam of It'd be light like energy. Your flashlight spreads out over over a distance. Well, it's not so much it spreads out; it's that it it hits particles of the air, and and that damages the cohesion of the beam. And the entire reason a laser beam has you know, has the ability to do damage is because it's all all that energy is concentrated into a tiny little space. Okay. All right. So, um, on the other hand, if you can get the thing on an aircraft or outside the atmosphere, yeah, it's uh, the, you know, and then the then there's the power requirements. I mean, there's, there's a lot of you know, uh, there's a lot of black bag stuff that that is worked on for this kind of you know this kind of purpose, but hitting hitting the target is one thing you know knocking knocking it out obviously is you know is what you would want to do um but anything that generates debris or a non-functional satellite because those things all have you know all have thrusters in them uh they are supposed to be designed so that if something goes wrong uh, they will deorbit themselves and come back down in the atmosphere and burn up because the last thing you want to have is is a you know even the the little starlink ones they're not very big they don't weigh a whole lot uh, but the last thing you want is one of those things flying around up there, in a, you know, in orbit without any control. What are these? Uh, quick question, and I want to get to some of this. What's going on with Apple in China? But yeah, uh, what when when you when you read these books like Hunt for Red October or something? They talk about they'll they'll move a military satellite. They'll they'll move the orbit. What kind of power does that thing have? An electric panel on? What kind? Of, how does that thing get the power to move? Once it's once well, it's you, well, you have the the power to to run the radios and stuff comes from solar. I'm saying, but, how do, but, you, but you have to have some kind of a well. You know, well, they have, they, well, they have thrust. Okay, okay. They, they have they have chemical. There's there's fuel. All right, now there's only so much fuel because obviously you can't get any more up there. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but depending on how rapidly you want to change, uh, you know, the orbit where it is, uh, there's uh, and, and how you placed it in the first place. Uh, you know, I mean, these these things have a lifetime. When they when they run out of fuel, well, then you, know, you use the last bit of it to nudge it back towards you know reentry into the Earth, so that it uh, so it burns up, and, and that's again because you don't want the dead ones floating around out there that you know might collide with something. Well, how many how many per day things are we shoving up there? When I say we, can Avril and these other places? I mean, if everyone comes down, they probably got to put another one up, right? Well, yeah, and, and they do wear out. They do get damaged. Um, gamma radiation uh, is a very real thing. Uh, there's, uh, you know, if you have a, a coronal mass ejection event, 
uh, which you know we haven't had a really bad one on Earth in quite a long time. And the Carrington event was you're talking about a sunspot, basically. Um, well, it's not the sunspot. It's the it's the stuff that gets thrown out when you know it's it's the same sort of process. But I mean, it's a that burning orange ball up there that causes all the global warming on this planet is uh, pretty violent. Yeah, well, yeah, I've seen some of the stuff. Some of them come out how many hundreds of miles and stuff. Oh, well, they they come out, the, the particles that are ejected from that come out all the way to here. Uh, the, the reason we have an inhabitable planet is because we have a molten iron core in inside the Earth, and that generates a magnetic field. Without that, the solar wind over, you know, over the space of millions of years would have stripped all of our atmosphere off. Sort of like probably what happened to Mars. Um, did happen to Mars. Yeah. And and it's and it's also the reason that trying to colonize Mars is uh, kind of silly. I mean, going up there to mine it, perhaps, but uh, but colonize it is crazy because you you cannot build a stable atmosphere on a planet uh, because it does not have a molten iron core. It's impossible. It'll just get stripped off by the solar wind. I mean, you can generate one. Now you might say, well, I don't care if it gets stripped off ten thousand years. I'm going to be dead by then. Okay, maybe that's an argument. Well, uh, hey, so. Um, you know, we've talked not specifically about it, but we always, you know, we banner about where the market is. And I think last week or last we were mostly on labor, but we talked a little bit about, you know, some of these these PE ratios and and that if, you know, I I, I never try and call the market because guess what, uh, I'm not very good at it. And neither is anybody else. I mean, there there are times when it, if if you made one trade a year and everything got absolutely destroyed or everything was up to the absolute moon, I guess. You could you could be well over fifty fifty if you traded two or three times a year, but if you try to trade every day, I, 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 good luck with that. Because uh, I I did it for twenty years, and um, actually every minute I traded for, or every couple of minutes for twenty years, and it's very hard to do that. Uh, but I look at some of these PE ratios we have now, Carl, and if everything were to hold steady, and uh, you know we have a little bit of modest growth, and people start getting some raises, and you know, could we work our way through it? Uh, yeah, I think I think we probably could. I mean, some people would say we're never going to get there. I'm, I'm not going to say my percentage chance of it happening, but it could happen. But I look what's happening to Apple, and it looks like, you know, I'll use the term, it's kind of like a bitch fight back and forth on these phones, but it's happening at a time when Apple's revenue is stagnant. And, oh, by the way, their P.E. ratio is at 31 or 32, right. which is a... If, it, if their P.E. ratio was 15, I'm not even sure I'd... I'd even pay attention, Carl. I'd pay well, attention you, pay, you probably wouldn't, but it isn't. Yeah, it isn't. And I mean, I mean, this stuff. I mean, you know, what could go wrong with Lululemon? People go to yoga class. Well, for God's sake, they make seven dollars a year, and the thing's trading four hundred. I mean, right? It, it, it wouldn't. Same way with with uh, Walmart. I mean, I I think those guys for a company that size is is doing very very well. Yet, twenty five PE for the for a huge retailer, that's exorbitantly historically high. Doesn't mean you can right. sell it today or whatever. I mean, uh, the the prices have me thinking we're in danger here. It's not necessarily the the situation so much because there's always bad stuff happening, but the prices and the situation lead me to. I hope we're not looking at you know like a an eighty seven sort of thing or something. I don't think we are, but well, we, I think we're actually looking at worse. Okay, I mean, I, I I could make that argument too. I but I'm saying it's it's not so much what's happening. What Mike was talking about. I mean, because that's Government never really does what you want it to do, and they're, they're always inefficient. I think they're getting worse, but and yeah. so, so but the, the, you combine that to the price. We're, we're priced to absolute perfection here, and I'm not seeing perfection anywhere. Are you? 
No, and and you know one of the <laughs> the thing that that as you know, I I wrote an awful lot of stuff about uh, the you know the the lead up to and the the blow up and the aftermath after oh nine oh eight oh nine was the impetus for me to to put a lot of it on paper and actually get a managed to get a book published and the funny thing about it is there was so much fraud by people in the investment community that were selling things that they claimed were good securities to people and five minutes before that there's an email between two of them saying it was vomit yeah yeah okay this this came out of course when it was all investigated you know there's everyone does a post-mortem after bad things happen well these guys you know there were a bunch of them done there was the the Lucas report that was done on layman and you know and a bunch of others and but the but the common theme between all of it was that all these guys knew that they was that they were scamming and they were doing it anyway oh yeah and so nobody went to jail for this no one all right even though fraud is that's a crime, or at least supposed to be. But nobody went to jail. Okay, so now uh, there is a report out, and I haven't dug into the veracity of this yet, but if you remember, Lucent got blown up by the crash back in 2000. And the reason Lucent got blown up was that they were vendor financing switches to companies that were building internet capacity across the United States. Um, one of them being a firm that bought my firm. Lucent, by the way, for those that are younger, was at one time the most widely held stock in the New York Stock Exchange. It was the old Western Electric, right? Uh, it was it was the old Bell. Bell, Bell which included uh, Bell Labs uh, and West. West, West uh, the cor- correct. Yeah. They were the ones that made the switches yeah. that switched all your phone calls and all and handled all of the data traffic. All right. Okay. Me, so give, the give, stuff that give me thirty seconds more to do some history on this. Uh, the bells, there were there were, there were all the, the bells, Illinois Bell, Indiana Bell, all those things, that were the phone companies in every state. But every, I'm going to say, Carl, every single piece of te- of telephone equipment for years was made at the Hawthorne plant here in Cicero. My yep. uncle worked there, and it was I'm going to say thirty thousand people twenty four seven. Yeah, it was it was a big deal. It was a huge deal, and and. Uh, so when the when the bells broke up or they were they were broken up, and they and the baby bells and whatever, the manufacturing piece kind of stood alone and became lucent, right? Um, Is that the history? Yeah, of that? yeah, that's essentially that's a, that's that's close enough. Yeah, and and so, lucent was vendor financing this equipment to all of these companies in the in the nascent internet space. Uh, and a lot of companies and, do that. I mean, well, they have historically uh, uh, done that. I, I I get that. Okay, GMAC did but then, that. but then some of these firms that got way out over their skis and were promising things that they that they could not deliver, failed, because that happens too, right? I mean, you you know, you get too far out over your skis and, and you blow up. You're you know, all of a sudden the financing dries up and oops. Okay, problem is that computer equipment, computer related equipment. Um, once you've delivered it to the original customer on resales, probably you're lucky if you get twenty five cents. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, right on resale. Okay. Say, oh yeah, so I did some of that stuff at, at Pullman when we bought a new computer. What we were selling the old one for was ridiculous. 
Right, and so, yeah, well, guess what? So Lucent gets all this stuff put back on them because the people that they vendor finance to uh, didn't have any money, couldn't pay them. And uh, Lucent is now sitting on a bunch of stuff that essentially is valueless. Uh, uh, oops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and it blew them up. So we are now seeing, there are allegations out there now that the, that this same game is being played through a, a two-step indirection path uh, with some of these guys in the AI and chip space, uh, specifically including NVIDIA, where... I, 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 I saw that video. Uh-huh. That these guys are basically... They're, they're buying the stuff. They're getting loans made using the product that is purchased as the collateral. All right, now that is insane, and it is exactly what blew Lucent to pieces. It blew Pullman Freight to pieces because ITEL was 90% of the backlog, and ITEL went out of business. Well, that's, uh, you know, I mean, the, anything anything in the technology space, um, if you buy that stuff on credit, by God, you had better have something other than the thing that you bought as the collateral behind the credit because the depreciation on that stuff... 15 minutes after you buy it is, you know, 50%. Okay? And, Carl, and if you wrote, if you wrote a I book, don't care what the IRS says. I'm telling you what the market says. If you, if you wrote a book and the market shenanigans since the day the banks, when nobody could even get a balance sheet of a stock or an income statement, only the, the bank had it, where they would say, you, Carl, need to buy this stock. Well, yeah, well, how much they make? Well, I can't really tell you that. But yeah. it, it's, it's a great stock. Well, I don't have the money. Don't worry, I'll lend it to you. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, but this is now, it, it, this stuff is happening again. It it never stopped. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I know, but but you know what, Chief? We're talking about the company that is essentially right. leading the entire NASDAQ I, I'm rally. With you. But, I, but if you were to write a 400-chapter book on this starting in, like, 1850, by the 10th chapter, everybody would stop reading because it's the same story in every chapter. Is I know. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. that you know you take a, you take a look at Nvidia. Yep. And and where Nvidia was trading um, in in 2020. Okay, so right at the start of the you know the, the the COVID crazy, right? You're talking a stock that was that was trading about 70 bucks. All right. Where is it? Where is it trading now? 460. Yeah. Well, remember remember. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make you sound old, but you remember Miniscribe? Oh, do I remember Miniscribe? They did, weren't they doing the same thing? They were loaning well, people money to buy yeah. it, and they were putting bricks in the, in, in, in the yeah, boxes? Yeah, you know, Miniscribe was a funny company because they, they were one of the original Winchester, small Winchester disc manufacturers, and I was a guy that was building PCs for companies in Chicago. That's how I was making my money before there was an Internet. Um, and we had a, a bunch of issues with all of a sudden... This company that that made some really good stuff started producing trash, and part of what we part of why people bought computers from us instead of Compaq or IBM was because when you bought with us during the warranty period, it came with on-site service. We'd be there in four hours, and if it broke, we'd fix it. Well, then then they sell and, their and, stuff and by let me weight. Tell you, they put sell well, it by weight and put a brick in the box, right? Yeah, and I, and I'll tell you when when things started to come apart, um, we we fortunately managed to catch the trend change before we got buried by it. 
We had it happen a couple of times. There were there. This was not just Miniscribe that was playing games in the storage space with the quality of their products over that time. We had some issues with Seagate as well for a while. Uh, but yeah, it was it, it, this kind of thing. I mean, this is what happens though: is that it, you know companies start doing stuff like this, and then whatever they were producing that was of good quality originally goes in the toilet because they're all scrambling trying to figure out how to make the you know make the next quarter's numbers. I'll bet you that right now, especially if people watch CNBC, we got a break here. Um, you're going to find uh, Nvidia is overweight in a real lot of portfolios. Oh, it's a it, well and, and margin yeah. and everything else. SP, well, how about yeah? How many let's go to break here, guys. Futures down seventy-five cents only. As if futures down fourteen, we're starting to come back. Uh, we need to come back to make it an even week, but we'll, we'll see if we get it. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tim Al. Uh, Greg Pampas on the board. Carl Denninger with us. S&P Futures now unchanged. NASDAQ Futures down five. We're trying to make a little bit of a comeback here. Uh, and, you know, maybe, we're, maybe we'll take a move up here today. Uh, this is interesting. I want to make sure I remember to ask Carl about this one. Kroger will pay up to $1.2 billion to settle most nationwide opioid claims. How did, how did we even put a number on that? I mean, what are these? Anyway, it's, I'll, I'll talk about that in a bit. The Dow futures are down on a 23. We're in Europe. We've got, uh, eh, got the, how's that for a term? Uh, I don't even know how to spell that. Uh, DAX down 29.2%. FTSE up 7 cents. Call that flat. Kek around up 12.2%. Let's say uh, muted over there. Muted and mixed. Nikkei down 384. That's 1.2%. It's not mixed. Hang Seng, I've got unchanged. I, I don't even know how you... Um, it, they, uh, actually, I don't think they traded today. They, the last trader was 9.7. 
That's why they're unchanged. Shanghai down 5.2%. I don't know why they would be closed, but they are. Uh, yesterday, Dow up 57, S&P down 14, NASDAQ down 123. That's another 0.9%, led by NVIDIA and Apple again. Uh, Bonds down two basis points to 4.24. One down one basis point to 2.61. Japan down one to 0.65. We've got oil, which has been creeping, creeping. Up another 68 cents, 87.55. Brent up 73 cents, 90.65. Natural gas up five cents, two sixty-three. Arbob up six cents, two sixty-eight. We've got gold, a little move to the upside here, up five sixty, nineteen forty-eight. Maybe heading back at least to the nineteen fifty number. Silver up six cents after getting clobbered. So six cents is kind of a dead cat bounce so far. Twenty-three twenty. Copper down four cents, three seventy-one. We've got Bitcoin up fourteen bucks, twenty-five thousand eight seventy-nine. And the U.S. dollar, which has been strong all week, is actually backing off just a little. A uh, euro's back to 107, and a pound is almost back to 125, but just a little. A dollar had a strong week. Greg, what do you, for, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Good morning, everyone. 737 right now. 61 degrees in Chicago. 68 today. Misty and breezy. Phoenix, 84 right now. About 110 today. Mostly sunny. Hot temperature. Tying the record from 1979. Poor air quality, though, so grab your inhaler. Um, traffic. Kennedy, Montrose to the interchange, 36 minutes. Edens, Lake Cook to the interchange, 58 minutes. Ike, Wolf to interchange, 40 minutes. Dan Ryan, 95th in is 33 minutes. Stevenson, um, 25 minutes in rising. Bishop Ford, 80 to the interchange is 14 minutes. Tennis, we've got women's tennis. Goff beat Machova, 6-4, Sabalenka beat Keys to get in the finals. Um, and MLB Diamondbacks beat the Cubs six to two. They're third in the NL wild card spot. And NFL Lions upset the Chiefs. And so I got Chief. Back to you, uh, Carl. I've watched. You watch any of the tennis? I watched just a little bit of it. I was on one of the screens where I was. I they uh, who's doing a lot of the court reporting is Pam Shriver. Remember that name? Yeah, she uh, came down for a visit on the trading floor uh, when I was in the OEX pit. And she wandered around behind the pit with somebody, and uh, let's just say trading almost stopped. What a gorgeous woman! <laughs> well, five ten, five eleven. I mean, every immediately everybody goes, "Who's that?" <laughs> and, and <laughs> no, she, really? Oh yeah, she, and she's pleasant as hell. Pleasant as hell. I mean, and now she's uh, doing uh, some of the court work, and good for her. She was a hell of a player, and I think a pretty good person, and and she's yeah. still doing stuff. So, um, well, you know, one of the one of the things that. The other things you brought up in the in the first uh, the first segment, first hour was that was the whole pharma thing. Yeah. Okay, and you know, and the overseas manufacturing and everything else, uh, and the tie into this, and the reason I just got my memory poked was you know, the weather for Phoenix. So grab your inhaler. Okay. Uh, if you know anyone who's asthmatic or you're asthmatic, um, I I am in the first category. I know someone. Well, I know several people are. Um, albuterol is the standard. I can't breathe. I need a bronchodilator like right now. And and kids used to carry them around when I was in school. That you know they had this going on. And why? Well, because if you need to get a breath, you, you you'd like it today. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yes. And so. These things used the same refrigerant, uh, the R22, that was in the older air conditioners, the fluorocarbon. And the reason is that, the same reason that they used it as a refrigerant, is that it is essentially inert. I mean, if you have a leak in your your refrigerant system, you know, in your AC, 
you don't want the refrigerant that's in there to poison the people in the building, right? <laughs> it would never I mean, be that would, well, that would be bad, yeah. right? And you know, mechanical things break, and uh, you know, I mean, if it leaks, it it could leak into the building. That could happen. Uh, so you you know, same thing with your refrigerator in your house, or you know, whatever. So anyway, this this was what they use as a propellant. Um, because it, it changed from a liquid to a gas, and therefore you could you know, put a relatively small amount of volume of propellant in there, and most of it would be medicine. Well, that's the idea. Um, the pharmaceutical industry, of course, originally had a patent on the drug, and when all of the screaming about the ozone layer got going, the Montreal Protocols came in, the pharmaceutical industry lobbied heavily for their own product to be banned even though on a percentage basis the amount of intentionally released because obviously if you inhale it then you breathe out you've intentionally released it can't right? be very much it's 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 absolute nothing from a standpoint of the total okay i mean is it yes it's a release of intentionally ozone destroying chemical it is however it's an extraordinarily tiny percentage of the whole it had absolutely nothing to do with the ozone damage that was occurring they were extraordinarily vehement that the international community ban their product. They did. And then they changed the propellant and they got another patent. The active ingredient didn't change. Really? Remember, the point of a propellant is that it doesn't get absorbed by the body because otherwise you don't want to poison you for crying out loud, so you're going to use something that, does, you know, that isn't harmful. But they were actually able to patent something again that didn't change the, the medicine, the medicine part of the of the drug did not change, not one iota. And so that inhaler that was five dollars all of a sudden is fifty bucks. Um, I'm going to say that the same thing happened with the EpiPen that that was originally designed it, by the military, and what did this? This other company, this lady, put a new cap on it or something. Yeah, and this is, but see, this is the, this is what's going on in this, you know, in that industry all the time. All right, now price fixing, no matter how you go about it, between, you know, between various purchasers, and by the way, international counts is a criminal ten year in prison for each person involved in it felony has been for over 100 years. Sherman, Clayton, Robinson, Patman. Robinson, Patman does not carry criminal penalties, but it makes illegal any pricing discrimination against buyers of like kind and quantity. So if I want to buy a thousand of something, you can't screw me and give the other guy the discount. Carl, if if we were only sending this show out to people under the age of 38, nobody would know what are you talking about. That's what businesses are supposed to do. Well, uh, but you know what? This is—it's it, been illegal for over a hundred years. I, I'm, okay, you, you know, you, your ba- and, biggest ally of this whole mess is me. <laughs> you well, know, and, I, and I'll tell you—and I'll tell you what—I shoved Robinson Patman up a vendor's butt when I was running my company, and essentially forced them to cut it out because I told them I would come after them for it. And th- but of course, this was back when you actually could do that, yeah. right? And you didn't get laughed at. I mean, if you tried it now, you'd probably get laughed at. Um. Uh, but this was, you know, this is supposed to be 
the way things work in the United States. Well, it doesn't anymore. And people say, well, we need a law. You know, now Biden wants to... Quote, we, get all kinds of, we get all kinds of laws. Oh, you know, Biden wants to negotiate a half dozen drugs, right? should negotiate well, these people in jail. What? Yeah, the easiest way to negotiate it is you show up with the, you know, with the guys in the black SUV, they cuff and stuff the executives of these companies <laughs> and, and frog march them into court to stand trial for felony violations of antitrust law, what am I... which, by the which, by the way, the pharmaceutical and, and health insurance industry, the two of them together, have twice argued, all the way to the Supreme Court, that the law didn't apply to them because of other exemptions. But Karen Ferguson being the one that they tried yeah, to that's cite, one they always try and cite. They lost. Well, I mean, at the, Supre- at my, the Supreme uh, Court, Chief. He's been uh, my, my one of my good buddies, John. I won't use his last name, although he has been on the show. We have used his last name. Is of Carl, you and he would talk over beers for hours about the pharmaceutical industry. The guy knows he worked for what do they call the guys in the middle, the insurance, the uh, the guy, the uh, people that what's the whole oh, the PB the PBMs, the, the, uh, 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 pharmacy yeah. benefit managers, right? He was one of the, he when he was in his late 20s, I think he was on the board of Osco or something. You know, he, he really knows the industry. Oh, yeah, he could rattle you off probably 20 names of. When everything went generic a while back, well, started right. to become generic, he could probably rattle you off 20 names where the original companies or somebody bought up two of the generics and raised and then, all the And prime. then, of course, raised the prices. prices. Right. Where the, where is it, the first sentence of the Sherman Act is any combination. Yeah. <laughs> where <laughs> the the results are, you know, results in restraint of trade is a felony or something. Right? Yeah. I, the, mean, I mean, like the, the very first clause of, of 15 U.S.C. Chapter 1. Yeah. So, I mean, but here's. I mean, you take a you want you want to see the kind of craziness that goes on. There's uh, uh, there have been a couple of states, Tennessee being one of them, that in the in the wake of the crazy the silliness of the last three years, uh, passed laws that say that ivermectin is is a drug that doctors can prescribe, and you, and in some cases that you can that essentially essentially over-the-countered it, although actually managing to do that in most places is nearly impossible. There's also an inhaled steroid called budesonide uh, that used to be relatively popular as a maintenance medication for asthmatics. Uh, it's, it, but it's generic. Okay, It's off-patent. Nobody can make any money on it. Nobody can make any money on ivermectin either. Be the same reason. It's off-patent. It's, it's too old. So, in the United States... Budesonide, which happens to be quite effective against lung infections. Gee, that never happened in yeah. the last few years, right? Um, if you happen to be in India or Mexico, you can buy an inhaler, which if you're an asthmatic, you might use for that condition for uh, 10 bucks. Okay? There is one company, if you can get somebody to prescribe it, which is a whole different problem, because it is a prescription drug. If you can get somebody to prescribe it in the United States... The, the only inhaler made in the United States and available in the United States called Pulmacort, it's $300. Wow. Okay. So now this is something that has a very well understood safety profile because asthmatics have been using it for decades. It's, it's, you know, it's not a new drug. It doesn't have a, you know, a, a crazy list of side effects and nobody knows what they are because it's too new. and what, it, it, None of that stuff applies. Um, but if you could actually get somebody to give you a prescription for it when you know when you were choking to death, three hundred bucks, and 
it's just simply because there's only one company that that distributes it in the United States, and yet you can go across the border, and it's it, they're sold on the street corner, because nobody th- it's it's a generic. Nobody you know they, yeah, okay, it cost us three dollars to make it. We sell it for ten. We make a nice profit. That's and, not and, as good as three hundred uh, or five hundred. <clears throat> Come well, on, if we're gonna go, got a hunch, bet a bunch, bud. Well, you know, and and the same thing with ivermectin. You have the you have now you have some states that have said if you want to buy this and use it for you know for COVID, even though the CDC says it doesn't work, the FDA says it doesn't work. But you know what? Um, it, it by the way, it does work if you have worms. Um, it do, it does work for scabies. It does work for. I mean, there are. It, it's a legitimate drug. It is. It essentially stopped river blindness in sub-Saharan Africa, because it, and river blindness used to used to blind, you know, million people a year. Now it's essentially zero because people use it prophylactically over there. Uh, it it is safer than Tylenol in terms of its side effect profile. It's I mean, no drug is completely safe, but it's extremely safe. But it's off patent, so it costs no money. And and it's on it's actually on the WHO's list of essential medicines for this reason, because it you know it's an antiparasitic and, and parasitic infections of your eye you make you blind. So it, it's so cheap though that it can be used prophylactically in places where people have no money, like Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's say you can get the prescription, you can get it filled in the United States. You're going to pay. In some cases, ten dollars a pill for something that costs five cents. What? Um, why? If we're going to do this legally, and I'm, I'm surely no. Do you have to start with a redo of the patent laws, or do you have to no. start with some sort no. of a? I mean, just, you, just because you get a patent, how does that? I th- I, I'm sure there's. Boy, you know this better than me. I'm sure somewhere in our, our books, someplace. There's an anti-gouging law of some kind. How, well, just because you get a patent, how do you how do you get the gouge? Well, uh, chief, I'm not. Uh, you know what? Uh, so there's there is one change, and it's not a change in the law. It's it's actually enforcing the patent laws. To get a patent, you have to have innovated in some way. You have to have done something different. Okay, what the pharmaceutical companies have repeatedly done like they did with with albuterol right that's absolutely non-patentable you didn't change the drug okay all right that happens all the time all right you take you take a drug and you change the capsule so it's time release instead of immediate release and you can get another 17 years that's crazy but you didn't change the drug it's the same drug well i mean let's start with the 17 years is a long time but you know, you know the whole story with. Well, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But if, if somebody walks up there with with aspirin, it costs you know nothing, or close to nothing, and once and it gets a patent on it, and they want to charge ten bucks a pill. The story is going to be: Do you have any idea how many other drugs we have in in development, and how if you don't if you don't let us go, potentially gouge on this one, that somehow or another the next one won't show up and. You've oh, got, right. You know, the, the, the long story on this is is the long story, you know. And when well, you get, but, uh, but you know what? I don't care. And here's well, why. Well, you don't. I don't. But clearly, nothing's happened along this regard. I mean, the I mean, Viagra for an awful lot of people, I guess, was a good thing. Okay, nineteen well, years. Viagra was Viagra was originally a, dr- a blood pressure medication. Okay, but I'm saying nineteen years. Yeah. And uh, and and the, in the last three years, how much money did they spend? They were, 
I think the single biggest advertiser on CNBC. Oh yeah, they had, they had to be close on football. Well, then Cialis. Yeah, well, the Which two of them were. Yeah, I think the, the the year that they went off, I think it was a twenty five million dollar hit to CNBC and like a forty million dollar hit to the NFLs, something like that. Now you, you can't now that forty million the last year in marketing is way more than it cost probably to to develop the thing in the first place. Yeah, but but you know what? Here's here's the reason I am mostly agnostic on that and and not all that cranked up about it, and that's this: uh, you take, for example, the drugs for high blood pressure. Okay, an awful lot of people use them, um, and there are a dozen old ones. Oh, yeah, and then somebody comes. Then somebody comes up with a new one. Okay, and they want to charge two hundred dollars a pill for it. Okay, um, well, uh, the market says you can charge two hundred dollars a pill for it, but the old one is ten cents. Uh, is it better enough that people will pay two hundred dollars? And that's how the market's supposed to work. Okay, but what we have done is uh, by abstracting this out, you go into the doctor's office. And you have none of this kind of discussion because your supposed insurance. It depends on the doctor. Some, some. Well, uh, I, I know, but I'm saying, yeah. And then the doctor got a spiff to go on, you know, to go skiing in Aspen last winter from the from the guys that made the two hundred dollar pill stuff. Well, I take one. It, it costs a little bit, and I got it from a place that he sent me to. Uh, and I had, I must have gone through seven or eight. That I had side effects with in this one. Well, some don't. Yeah, some yeah. don't work. Yeah, some or, or or they do work, but they do other bad things. Okay. Yeah. And that's individual too, because people's biochemistry is different. All right. So I mean, you know, you you have a side effect that somebody else doesn't have. Right. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, there's uh, that's that's the nature of humans. We're we're all you know unique genetic individuals. Uh, because I actually went online and I, I looked the thing up because a couple of doctors didn't even. Didn't even know the name when I said what I was in, and yeah, and uh, so I went online and I said it. It does the same thing as like five other drugs, but seems to do it better, so the dose doesn't have to be as big, so people manage it better, which is essentially well, uh, yeah, and therefore the side effect profile is less severe because you're taking less of it. It's, and so I mean, it, it, they do work on everybody, but you're right, they 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 go for the well. Look at how many people if you're on blood thinners. I mean, Eliquis or Zarelltal are. I'm going to say 500 a month. Where the old stuff, the rat poison, is five hours a month. But you have to get yourself, you have to get tested every month. Nobody wants well, to get tested. W- w- well, yeah, because there's it, it, actually I I know somebody that uh, that does dialysis, and they're you know that's part of the that's part of the thing with that because you're you know you can't have clotting disorders going on with this. So there's I mean there's oh boy, you want to talk about somebody who actually has a set of skills? Go go talk to someone that does that work. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, you get that one wrong, and the and the guy that's you know that's got his we blood circulating lady, in the machine, we used he to have dies. A lady, lady years ago to listen to the show when Jan and I were on the score, and we we emailed a little bit. Uh, that was about it, because uh, she was she would come to Chicago a week a year to write the test for the new dialysis nurses. Yeah, and she knew her stuff. And somehow one morning she was up so early she turned on the radio and there were Jan and I. <laughs> so she, she yeah, sent me well, an email one day and, and just said, and so she said she's from Pennsylvania, she had been in Chicago for a week. I said, well, and I wrote back, I said, what are you doing here? I, I write dialysis stuff. And it, that was the end of it, it one email. But, uh, but it was interesting. I mean, it, she, I mean talk about a skill set, eh? 
to be able to write well, the test Well, yeah, and it's it's a sad story because in, in most people that have it, it's it's literally the ultimately the end of the line for them. Well, you know, the weird part about uh, one of way too much drugs here, but the Zarelto and the Eliquis, one of the selling points is that supposedly, well, if you stop taking it, it's out of your system in a day or so. So, but also, if you get in a car wreck or something, allegedly, there's an antidote to it. Okay. Right. Well, it could, yeah. So if you need to clot, you can. Uh, but I, I will bet you, every single emergency unit, every single hospital emergency room, nobody has an antidote. Yeah. Well, if you don't, if you can't get it, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, like having so an, you need an EpiPen and don't have yeah, one. Theoretically, Oops. there is one. I'm going to say not one in, in, uh, ambulance company is, has one in, their, in the ambulance. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. So I mean, it's. I just. I just think there's. You know, this is the 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 biggest issue that I have with what we've done, besides the the obvious financial scams, and that's. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's what the show focuses on is finance. Uh, the, the other problem that you have in the in the pharmaceutical industry is people grading their own homework in the trial fraud. Oh yeah, and and that is that is just pure money, uh, and that I don't believe we can fix in the current the way the current system is designed no one would let you know if you were selling a house no one in their right mind would let you be the inspector um that would be true yeah no one yeah no one i i mean you know i I absolutely would you you would you know i mean you don't worry don't worry it's fine who says so i say so (laughs) i say well or you know yeah yeah, i i looked at that foundation oh oh really (laughs) you know I mean, nobody would let you do that kind of a thing anywhere else. I, you know, I sold my company. The the acquiring firm, the adverse, the guys with an adverse interest, interest were the ones that got to go through all the financials and ask all the questions and go to the vendors and say, right. you know, and and the bank, is this really the bank's? You know, is this really the statement <laughs> from hey, last month? I got, we don't have much. I got one more question about the market for you. Um, we both think that. Uh, the, the times are, are, are kind of shaking here a little bit, and we we think the prices are are kind of high on some of this stuff, so more danger than normal. I think we both agree right. on that. The one thing, Carl, that I that I don't see, and I mean I don't look at the numbers every day, uh, and because we and I for the last half hour, even though it may not sound like it, we were talking about as soon as people get to borrow money to do speculation, how much worse it gets, right? I mean it happened as soon as as soon as you could borrow money to buy tulips, they went under. Or not a year later, right? Same thing happened right. in, the, in the mortgage stuff in 2008. Whenever you can borrow money to, to, to buy something, it was happening in the 20s with, you know, that's why the market crashed. Banks were lending people money to buy the stock they told them to buy. Well, that didn't work out so hot. If they didn't lend them money, I'll, it would not have been as bad, right, because it wouldn't have got as high. Now, my question is, even though margin loans now are are fairly high, they're not the usual record spike you get before, you know, before a crash, before right. a crash, is, does does that mean we're not in danger, or does it mean that the danger instead of uh, ins- uh, that the uh, instead of being a seventy percent chance of problems, it's only sixty or fifty? I mean, I still think you know maybe the leverage comes from other places or something. I know people have gotten second mortgages of houses to buy Bitcoin and stock. You know, not not here at PTI, but I know that. So there, you can spread the leverage around if you want, uh, but. I mean, we were talking about earlier about the thirty trillion dollars in, in households. I mean, how many right. people have made a hundred grand on on, on uh, 
NVIDIA and wouldn't think of selling it and put the money in their house and work down their debt. I mean, so I mean, the, the leverage, just because it's specifically not on stock margin, doesn't mean there isn't some, you know, because it could be anywhere. It could be in real estate, it could be some other place. But I guess, is can I take some sort of encouragement, like that we don't have a stock margin sp- huge spike right at the same time this is happening or no um no because the the only thing that changes there is that if if you have that happening then when the margin calls start they tend to snowball and and, you know produce dislocations and people end up getting thrown out of their houses because (laughs) you know (laughs) excuse me sir margin clerk's on line one well but he's not happy they sent the people like you know pti a, a real lot of our stack ownership is in IRAs, so you're, you're never going to get a margin right. call in IRA. Well, that's right because it's a cash account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's but the thing is, is that I all that really does is prevent the guy from. I mean, I I knew somebody that that lost his house during a 2000 crash, and and then not too long after that, uh, decided that uh, there wasn't anything left. And, and that kind of thing is probably you know is, is much less likely than. It was in 2000, uh, simply because the people that are way out over their skis with crazy margin loans are, are much less numerous than they were. But, you know, there's, there's still something extraordinarily demoralizing when you, you, know, you have $5 million and now you have seven hundred fifty grand. Uh, yeah. I think now the, biggest, <laughs> the, the risk is, is probably biggest in real estate. Now, yeah, and it well, yeah, absolutely, and and I mean, I'm already, I you know, the desperation is already starting to show up, especially in those places that are full of of you know short term rentals, and it's and I, I'll tell you what, the people, the craziness that I'm seeing around here with what people are trying to get, party's over, guys, and uh, you're seeing it in some of the listings. Uh, there was there was a place that was up at one one five or one six. Now they're still trying to get. Uh, it's still on the market. And uh, the current ask is seven ninety five, and it hasn't sold. Well, you you uh, well tie this together. Now we got a dash, but tie it together. We can't tie. It would take a huge knot to tie everything together. We talked about, but your your summation of the labor thing last week. Okay, and by the way, you did it in ten minutes. It took other people all week to, to read to see the stuff you saw. So my congrats to you on that. But if you, you if you tie together the Friday show with the Monday show, what Audrey and Nancy and what John Flanagan talks about. When somebody goes from full time to part time, and maybe now it's to pick up their own hospitalization, maybe not. If that same person is part of a couple that just bought a house at seven percent, and every nickel is going to that mortgage, you you wouldn't think you have a problem, but you do. Uh-huh. I mean, it, uh-huh. It's, it's the, the the stress. I think the stress level across society is about as high as I've ever seen it. And it's, it's, I, well, yeah, and, and part of it is that if you have an opportunity halfway across the country, you may be blocked and able in in un, if you own a house, especially if you refinanced in the last few years, you literally can't take it because you can't move without doubling your payment. Well, and that's what happened in two thousand seven. Your house didn't appraise for what you bought it for, so you couldn't leave. Well, it, well, that's right. So you couldn't move, but that's that's where the snowball effect can get kicked off quite easily. And once it starts, it's really hard to stop. I would agree. Have a nice weekend, bud. Uh, SP futures down a buck, Nasdaq futures down ten. We're not doing much here, so maybe we'll get a ins- inside day. That's what they used to call it on the floor, Carl. An inside day. You like that term? Yep. Uh, we'll be back to- back on Monday. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. 
Learn more at PTIProdirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1 800 821 4968.